Blog Talk Radio. At Firefly Willows L-I-V-E, we're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest, or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E helping you find and shine your inner light. Join Mildred Lynn McDonald for a fascinating tour of the mind-body-spirit connection. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. You'll also love our popular roundtable discussions featuring Heisey Lutmers, John Carousella, and Mildred Lynn. Airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com. Enjoy the show. Good morning, everybody. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I'm your host for today's roundtable. I'd like to welcome my two co-hosts, John Carousella. Good morning. And Hi C. Ludemers. Hello. Our topic is life lessons. What big lesson could people learn from your life? Now, Hi C. and John, when I said that question, what big lesson could people learn from your life? I bet both of you were saying, oh, I can't wait to tackle that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Mostly because I was dying to know what big life lesson you're going to offer. <laughs> well, after we hear your life lesson and High C's life lesson, we'll be hearing mine. So who would like to go first? Well, okay. My life is, uh, in so many ways, a series of comic and tragic events. There are lots of lessons to learn. But I think one of the ones that might be most visible for others is that we always have a choice. You know, we often think that our life is scripted in a certain way and our circumstances have conspired to freeze us in a place or a situation that maybe isn't optimal for us, and yet we do always have a choice. We have to be willing to accept the consequences of our choices. But we do have choices. And, you know, I can remember early in my professional career as a consultant, there was a project that I just felt was unethical for me to work on. And I said, no, I'm not going to work on this project. First of all, my coworkers were freaked out and surprised, in some ways terrified, by my decision to say no and also, they, I think they were tickled. They were thrilled because who would do such a thing, you know? <laughs> and my supervisors, they looked at me funny, raised an eyebrow, and then got a visit from my third-tier boss. 
And I said, look, guys, it's really simple. I don't want to work on this because I don't think it's right. I don't want to give my energy to this. I suppose I was taking a risk of being fired, but that mattered less to me than how I was going to apply my energy. So even though it might have looked like I didn't have a choice, I did have a choice. And I think I've consciously cultivated that kind of demeanor and perspective on the things that flow in and out of my life in a way that might be more visible. So yeah, I think that's something that people could learn from the way I've walked my walk is nothing is fixed. You have a choice. Does that knowledge of having a choice mean that you are stuck or have the feeling of being stuck less often? Kind of, because sometimes you make a choice to stay. You make a choice to allow yourself to be stuck for a while. So it's not like I don't feel stuck, because I do. I will choose to stay in a situation that has me confounded, which is another word for stuck, because I feel like there's a lesson for me that's waiting to be harvested that I'm not able to see. So I do still feel stuck sometimes, but I always know that it's my choice to be stuck. What about you, Hi C? What big lesson could people learn from your life? <laughs> well, the first thing I would say is when you asked that question, I was a bit stumped because I never think of my life or things I do in my life, particularly as lessons, especially for other people. But I think that there is something in that for anybody listening who might also feel that way. Sometimes just living our lives and looking at some of the the simpler aspects of it, we may not see as lessons because it's just what we do. But, you know, when we step back and are able to look at it a little bit from the outside, we may see, oh, well, okay, maybe there is something that I actually am carrying or offering into the world. And I guess one that I would say for myself is the willingness to just go with things and be in a state of acceptance rather than expectation and to always just go into everything, whether it's meeting a person or a situation or a place or whatever, but just to go into everything with the openness of let's see who this person is, let's see what this situation turns out to be, let's see what this place is like, rather than going in thinking that I know or need to know who I'm dealing with or what the place is or that kind of thing. So that's what I would say is just that sense of openness and lack of expectation so that there is a willingness to just allow people and things to be what they are and then work from there rather than trying to push them into what I expected or needed them to be or feeling disappointed that they didn't live up to what I was expecting I see, did you always have this, or is this a concept that you came across along the happy trail and decided to nourish and cultivate? I think I've always, to some extent, had it, but I think that it was really, especially when I started studying Buddhism, I think that really helped to focus that more, bring that into a, a greater sense of clarity and perhaps give a greater awareness around what that means and how to go about operating that way. Is there a practice that you have to cultivate this way of being? 
Um, I was practicing the pregnant pauses between the words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard because at this point, I feel like it's just something I do. I don't know if I have a practice for it. I mean, I just kind of learned how to say, oh, okay. Rather than, why are you saying that? Or how come you're not being this? Or how come the situation isn't going that way? It's just learning how to say, oh, okay. I see. Do you find that you are not as engaged in shaping your experience because you have this bearing in the world? I wonder about that. Well, I would maybe say from the initiation standpoint, yes. But once it's there, then I always have the choice as to how I'm going to step into it and what I'm going to do with it. So in that regard, I'm a part of shaping it because I am now actively engaging with it. But I'm not trying to shape it in the sense of push it in a certain direction or give it a certain form versus working with the direction or form that it is taking on. So allowing it to be organic and being a part of that organic process rather than trying to force or shape it in a way that I think is best, even if it seems to go against what is presenting itself. What's the big lesson that people could learn from my life? Now, I know that Hi C and John are hanging on to the edge of their seats. How to choose hats. How to choose <laughs> uncertainty, mm. which is a little bit like Pisces, but vibrationally a little bit different. My inner voice and what I see in the external world or the physical world are not always synced up. And that can be disconcerting. It can be unsettling. It can be confusing. So at one point, I had to decide which voice was louder. Would I live my life based on the inner voice or would I live my life based on external voice, what society told me or whatever. So I chose the internal voice and what that gave me was a life full of uncertainty. Mm. So a lot of my life has been, I really have no idea where I'm going or what this is going to look like. So I had to learn how to be a friend of uncertainty. Well, then is that yeah. because your inner voice was disconnected from or, or not aligned with the sort of standard routines and structures that exist in the world? Yes, that would be why. Yes, mm -hmm. my inner voice would always be telling me to go left when everything else was pointing right. So the challenge was to learn how to live with these two different perspectives. My tools turned out to be open mind, empty mind. I found that I really had to let go of expectations or how to manage things or, or how I needed to show up or how other people needed to show up. So my best friends became an open mind and an empty mind. And then I had to ask myself a question that always helped me. It was, what do I need to move forward? And it could just be the next step forward. And of course, in the context of, I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> but I always so, uh, but when so something that got triggered yeah. when you have no idea where you're going any step forward is a step in the right direction but that's actually not your perspective because if you say you have no idea where you're going yeah. but you have a very clear message you get a clear message on what your next step is 
it is what do I need to move forward? So what I could need, I could need more walks in the woods. The thing that I need to move forward is the thing that I need to strengthen my center. So it might not be a step in a physical direction. It could be going inwards and nourishing myself. That's what I need to move forward. Mm -hmm. It could be talking to a person. That's what I need to move forward. But it might not necessarily have anything to do with direction. It's more of a nourishment. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Well, it reminds me of a conversation that we had, I think, in a previous roundtable regarding strength and alignment. It was a very powerful comment that you made that for you, the purpose of strength is to cultivate your capacity to stay in alignment. Yes. So a step in the presence of uncertainty might be to strengthen your capacity to be aligned with your true purpose. Exactly, exactly. So it's not for clarity of direction. It's for the inner stuff. Yeah. And sometimes that would give me more a little hint of where I was going and sometimes it wouldn't but I had to learn to be able to operate in a healthy way without those indicators and the other thing the other thing is patience patience had to become my friend yeah and then the fourth thing was that I really needed to have a daily practice and mindfulness in the midst of all the uncertainty not having a physical structure in place to support me I had to create an energetic structure and I had to nourish that energetic structure. And that was something I had to do daily and sometimes twice a day and be very mindful about doing that. That would be my big life lesson at this point. Yeah, I guess you two are both flabbergasted, right? Well, I, no, I, I think it's, uh, living with uncertainty, we are all being led toward a place in our culture where uncertainty is increasing, not decreasing. Now, I was talking to my daughter, actually, about what young people are doing. What is their experience like? And what she shared was that we followed all the rules. We did what we were supposed to do. We got our good grades in school. We went to college. We did all that stuff, and we came out with, no, with nothing. There's no path. So for them, there's huge uncertainty about how to walk in the world, how to be an adult, how to take on responsibility, because the structures that were supposed to greet them when they became adults are dissolving under their feet. So I think there's a lot of value in learning how to walk with uncertainty, because I think it's only getting more uncertain. And how about you, see Any final words of wisdom to share with the universe and galaxy? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so pick, choose your words wisely. <laughs> well, like, this is going out to the Akanish, dude. <laughs> yes. As now, I'm just going to leave it at that because okay. I don't want to sound too, you know, conceited. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I would like to thank Heisey Lutimers and John Caracella for joining us today for our roundtable. And once again, the topic was life lessons. What big lessons could people learn from your life? Stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's going to be a great one. And thank you, Heisey. Thank you very much. Enjoy. And John, thanks for being here again. Thanks, Mildred Lynn. Have a great day. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Well, that's our roundtable for this week. Many thanks to Mildred Lynn McDonald and participants John Carousella and Heisey Lutmers. 
We hope you found this roundtable discussion engaging and thought-provoking. If you would like to join the conversation, visit facebook.com slash fireflywillows and add your comment under this week's roundtable post. Stay tuned. Hello, this is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and you're listening to Healing Conversations, live from Sebastopol, California. We hope that you're enjoying the show today. Are you looking for more enjoyable and meaningful work? If yes, you'll love our chat with work-life specialist, mentor, and design your best work-life host, Robin Crawford. With warmth and humor, Robin will tell us why it's so important to focus on aligning your life's work with the best of who you are, so you can consciously create a work life that you truly find satisfying. Robin has spent over 20 years observing work life structures. She's career advised hundreds of students of all ages and completed hundreds of interviews of work life satisfaction and job structure. In addition to completing two academic degrees and a life coach certification, she spent 20 years in the corporate arena and holds a number of other certifications related to human and spiritual development. She enthusiastically expresses that part of living her best work life is helping others design theirs. To learn more about Robin and the work that she loves, visit her website at www. RobinCrawford.com. And now let's swing over to Atlanta, Georgia, and welcome Robin to the show. Hello, Robin. Hello there. Hello. Hello, Mildred. Yes. Hi, Robin. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I said that was a quick trip from California to Georgia. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and I had a little delay. I was saying, hello, Robin. Hello, Robin. I was laughing at myself. <laughs> so listen, how, how are things in Atlanta, Georgia? I noticed from Facebook that you are a pretty busy gal these days. I am. It's, it, it's just how I work. It's how I flow. I love it. Things are going and, well. And you attended some form of conference or seminar. Um, I just know I just I've noticed it there. It, it was about a group of women getting together. I don't know if it had anything to do with designing your best work life, but it did look enticing. Yeah, well, it does have something, I guess, indirectly. It's experience connections that used to be the joy of connecting. And Bonnie Ross Parker is kind of like the queen of that. She's the founder and CEO. And uh, I decided the last couple months to go ahead and lead one of the chapters myself in the Dunwoody area here in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I had the launch on Thursday, and it was fabulous. There were 20 women there of all different, you know, different creative business models, and they were sharing and supporting each other, and it was a fantastic experience. I loved it. A good choice on my part. Excellent. Now, I know that I know a little bit about your work, and I'd like to share your work with our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about Design Your Best Work Life? 
How did that come to be? What was your source of inspiration? And anything else you'd like to throw out there? Okay. Well, um, the name itself is is getting ready to change. I'm about to rebrand, oh. but just to talk okay. to you a little bit about what the you know the whole premise of of the work and and what got me into doing this was my own personal story and working with college students because I also serve as a sociology instructor at a local university here. And in advising them, uh, talking about classes to take, et cetera, I was not satisfied with just talking about that. I wanted to know, well, tell me more about what you want to do, why do you want to do it, you know, all these questions, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned that time and time again there was you know, that there were these blank stares and I don't know and I'm here because my parents say I should be here or, you know, I'm about to graduate and I have no clue what I want to do. And so I heard that too many times and I thought, gosh, there's only so much I can do within this structure because we're just really supposed to advise on classes and I wanted to do more. And then, of course, my own story about having over 50 different job titles over the course of my adult life <laughs> uh, and... You know, just this eagerness to search and find work that just really lit me up. And I think that because I hopped around so much, of course, the time when I did that, that wasn't really an acceptable thing to do. It was considered career suicide, whereas today it's kind of like the statistics show that a lot of people, in fact, young people are encouraged to move around, get more experience, et cetera. So both of those experiences inspired this whole idea around design your best work life, which really means you always have a choice in what is happening to you, and in this case, especially in your work life. And design just suggests that you can creatively pull together a variety of different approaches to create a structure in your work life, whether you're working for someone else or you're working for yourself, whatever your choice is, you have a choice, which I think went really well with, I think, your roundtable participant, John, mm -hmm. who started mm -hmm. out your conversation about we always have a choice and we have to accept consequences, but ultimately we still have a choice. And I love that, and I think that is what is really part of this whole design your best work life. You have a choice to creatively design the work life that you want. And when you shared this perspective with people, I know it wasn't in the context of your university job, how was that received? To me, it sounds like a breath of fresh air. Well, I hear, I think that it's always well received, and I always hear, wow, that is really so interesting because, you know, I know this person who doesn't, or I know this person, and that obviously supports work satisfaction statistics which suggest that there are only three out of ten of us who are really satisfied and happy with our work lives. So that's over half who are mildly satisfied to miserable in their work life status and they're, they've just kind of accepted status quo and mediocrity and maybe thinking that they don't have that choice that we talked about earlier. Now, Robin, you mentioned, you alluded to that in your career you had about 50 job titles. And mm -hmm. I, have to, I have to ask you, <laughs> on a scale, where was, how many were miserable and how many were joyful? Let me say it this way. Because my personality is one where I tend to make the best of a situation, I don't know if I had a lot of miserable situations. And if I found my – probably the most miserable, I was only there two weeks. And that shows because <laughs> I left after two weeks. I did realize at 19 that I had a choice in that situation. Um, 
But I think that the majority of them, even though they may not have been structured exactly the way I wanted, I love that um, that quote that says we're about as happy as we make our minds up to be. And I think I always tried to find at least little bits of things within those positions to be able to enjoy. So in, over those, in, in, in those over 50 positions, probably just a handful were probably, I just really wasn't digging it. <laughs> mm. But it gave you such a broad and expansive perspective. That's, it, that's what yeah. I really liked about it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I like that. I don't think that that, I think for a while I thought that was a negative, and it was like a squirrel jumping from nut to nut, and it's like, Robin, will you make up your mind? What are you looking for? What are you searching for? Are you unhappy? Are you dissatisfied? What's the problem? And I think that, you know, at a very young age, Mildred, you know, when you think about, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? I have really always wanted to just be happy. And so I think that my jumping from one to another was just my quest to really be happy in that space. Which makes sense. Very, mm-hmm. very wise. Very wise. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was looking at your work and experiencing your work and reading about it, what really stood out to me was, was this, that it's really important to focus on aligning your work with the best of who you are. And I'm wondering if you can share with our listeners, because to me, if you, this is the nugget. This is the nut that the squirrel was chasing after. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. I agree with that. And I think that, and I love the word alignment, and it's not a word I think that you typically use in all circles. It's a word that I think was introduced to me when I became a life coach, and, I, and within that circle we use that a lot. But, you know, it's like a car being in alignment. When it's not, the wheels are shaking, and you're not really, it's not going to steer you in the direction that you want to go very smoothly. It's not going to flow. But when things are aligned, you can take your hand off the wheel, and the car is going to stay moving in the direction that you kind of navigated it, where you set it. And so I think that's a great analogy without going into more detail about it when it comes to aligning our work lives with the best of who we are. The folks who are miserable in their work, they're typically doing things that don't reflect the best of who they are. They're doing what other people want them to do. They may be tasked with getting involved in activities that, you know, they may not necessarily be super good at. Maybe they've learned to, uh, you know, be proficient in the skill, but it's not something that if you left them to their own and you said do what really makes your heart sing, they wouldn't be doing that. And so when we align our work lives with the best of who we are, we're doing work that we love, so we're tapping into our strengths, our talents, our abilities, our passions, our interests, that skill set that we have, that natural brilliance that uh, Jack Canfield talks about in The Power of Focus that allows us to just really enjoy what we're doing in our work. And I think that's what's key, especially today when we have so many possibilities and so many opportunities, more than ever. So I guess the the first step or a natural step would be discerning or figuring out what is the best of who I am. Mm -hmm. So if you you were going to, yeah, so if I was going to throw out to you, Robin, hi, Robin Crawford, what is the best of who you are? Wow, I am, it's so interesting that you say that because I recently had a friend send me, you know, I love to take these little assessments here and there that are just fun because they don't don't tell you who you are. They just give you a little indication around preferences and that kind of thing. And 
it's a fascination advantage report. And as I was looking at my results this morning, what came up was that I'm the catalyst, the passion, the one with the innovation. And I thought, how cool is that? That's kind of like right on point for me in so many ways because I do love to infuse creativity in what I do. I've always got a big vision of different things. Ideas are constantly running in my head around things I could do, and I keep a journal of ideas. And I'm very passionate about what I do, and I love that passion. And then there's a playful spirit in me, so I love to create. I love to promote others. I love to see other people do well. So I love to maximize. And for those of you who are listening, if you're familiar with the StrengthsFinder 2.0, That's also something that I advise as another tool that could possibly help because you end up with these five, you know, strengths of yours. And I know when I took mine, one was strategic and, you know, again, being able to look at things and come up with this plan and see what other people don't necessarily see and then maximizing, helping other people to to do their best. And relating and connectedness, those are definitely things that are strengths of mine. So I try to incorporate these in all that I do. So what I'm hearing you say, and for people who are listening, if I may be so bold, to say that as long as your work encompasses some or all of those attributes, then you're a happy camper. At least that's been my experience. And sometimes, to be honest, there are some situations where folks will say, well, you know, I may not be in a position to be able to do you know, take the time to quit what I'm doing. I still got to pay my bills and do all these things, and I'm worried about that. And that's that's true. That's what we have to take and keep in mind. And I certainly have had those fears and run in and out of that that closet myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, even if it's doing something, here's the thing, Mildred. The bottom line: work is not always just about money. Work is compensation, fulfillment. Uh, contribution. And so when you're looking at that or some combination of those, if we look at work that way and not just as a way of being compensated, then we can say, how can I incorporate something in my work life that allows me to tap into that joy in work? I may be doing something over here to help me to be able to make a living for now as I begin to prepare to expand that area where I do more of what I love, but I'm still doing something I'm doing something that allows me to tap into that natural brilliance that I talked about earlier. Now, when you're talking about focusing on aligning your work with the best of who you are, it seems like once you are conscious or aware of that, then, as you say, you can consciously create a work life that's satisfying and fulfilling. So the question that came to me when I was pondering it is, does it go step by step the process, or can you do it in parallel? Like, how does that shake out in real life? Well, I think it's interesting because we are a very process-oriented culture. We always want to say, well, what's the process? What are the steps? What are the bullet points? You know, and how many of them are there? <laughs> yeah, and where's the PowerPoint? <laughs> Exactly. And I certainly fell into that for a while, feeling that I had to come up with that. And I did take a good stab at it and pull together some things. So I'm not going to say that I didn't do that. But I think ultimately what I've learned in interacting with people and appreciating our individuality is that there is a general approach, you know, that starts with awareness and I believe really getting a good look at, because in most cases, 
those of us who are at this point, we realize that because we've been in the work world for a while and we've experienced some experienced some uh, unhappiness. So understanding your journey, your work-life journey today, and being able to tease out some of the lessons in there. What did you do that served you? What did you do that didn't serve you? Really looking at your values, those non-negotiables that you fall back on to make decisions in your life. And so using those as uh, stepping stones when you begin to create this kind of work life. You know, if you value honesty, you're not going to flourish in a culture of dishonesty. If you value acknowledgement, being acknowledged and recognized, you're not going to flourish in a culture where the leader, the manager, the director, whomever, doesn't appreciate recognition and ignores his or her employees. You're just not going to thrive. So I think you get the idea. So the values, uh, again, being aware of all of this and, again, moving forward to understand, well, what kind of work structure do you like? Do you, do you want to travel? Do you, you know, your communication style, who you want to work with? Do you prefer working alone or working with other people? There are a number of different questions that I think you can go through and factors to consider generally. And then you get down into the specifics. So I guess the, the answer is there's a loose process but you really need to tailor it to the individual and have the individual look at his or her circumstances and what they really want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I know if you look at people as being maybe the predominant trait being either maybe analytical or a driver personality mm-hmm. or an amiable or an expressive, their perception of the world is different and they learn Absolutely. and they receive and give information differently. And I remember... At one point in my life, I was, I was trying to follow the process because I had just transitioned from high tech into, shall we say, energy work, that type mm-hmm. of field. And the two of them are a little bit, they're a little bit of a stretch on the continuum. Right. They're kind yeah. of polar opposites. Uh-huh. And I, was, I remember I was trying to take the processes and the approach that I knew from high tech and apply them to this new arena and it mm-hmm. didn't work. It didn't work. Exactly. So what did I make? What did I make that mean? I made that mean, oh darn, I'm stuck. I don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. But what I, but what I was able to do, once I let go of the process, was create a flower garden. That ah. I, and I, and as long as I could identify with different concepts or moving forward in in the context of a bouquet of flowers, well, my heavens, there was no shutting me up. I could talk mm-hmm. about it all day. So yep. I love what you're saying about it really depends. Each person is an individual, and part of the cherry on top, I guess, is not judging yourself and letting yourself organically understand and go forward with the path that works best for you, like right. honoring that. I love the phrase that you used when you mentioned organically because I think that that's so true. But again, the pressure from outside, the external pressure, is to, is to make a decision, to follow a process, to follow his path or her path or their path. Or, and there isn't a lot of encouragement around introspection. And the approach that I advocate And as I move forward and grow even stronger in my own conviction and understand myself even more, I'm even more passionate and even bolder in saying you've got to include introspection. Yes, you can include the external. You can look at the assessments. I've certainly found it fun to look at assessments to help me to look from an external 
perspective. But if you don't go inside, Mildred, and know who you are and what you want and have the courage to admit what you want and then the courage to go for it, you're going to continue to grapple in the dark about having the kind of work life that is satisfying, fulfilling, and that aligns with the best of who you are. Now, Robin, you have, I have to say, one of the best models that I've ever heard. And for our listeners, it's called Grab Life Where It Tickles. <laughs> it just makes it you just giggle, makes me doesn't laugh. it? <laughs> that is, I love it. Amazing. <laughs> Where does this come from? What does it mean? And how do you put it into action? Because I want to grab life where it tickles myself. <laughs> Well, I guess it's probably it probably goes without saying that I do love to laugh. I love to laugh. I honestly have no idea. That came up probably a few years ago. I was thinking of something. I think it was around a business when I was going into business for myself. And, you know, you go through that process of thinking, what am I going to name this and what is my domain going to be? You go through all these different processes of trying to figure things out. And I remember Grab Life Where It Tickles came up, but I said, of course, I can't you know, name a business, grab life where it tickles. So I said, I'll just use that as a motto. And I think what it does for me, and if you were to see my office, you'd probably see it. I'm a person who loves primary colors. So my entire office is painted with primary colors, and I've got lines, and I did it myself, and the ceiling is yellow like the sun. And I've got, you know, it's kind of like this, if you were to punch me in the stomach, it would be what would come up out of me all throughout this office. It's just a playful open, um, adventurous, uh, creative, uh, just fun approach to life where you take it a day at a time, you really take care of yourself so that you're happy, so that you can deliver the best of yourself every day in your work, in your play, in your relationships, etc. And it's a challenge, but I just love it because even when I say it, it makes me laugh. So I said, if I see that everywhere, that's going to be a constant reminder for me to continue to grab life where it tickles every day. And it's also about joy. Yeah, I I love it. And it gives people an idea what it's like working with you. So when you're working with someone, if, if I looked at that grab life where it tickles, I would say that, well, we may have some challenging areas that we cover together as we work mm-hmm. through whatever we're working through. But mm-hmm. gosh darn, we're going to laugh. <laughs> we're going to have yeah. a good time doing it. <laughs> Definitely. And I think it's interesting that when you're, if you think about being tickled, tickling certainly can make you laugh, but sometimes tickling can be a little painful too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to kind of look at, of course, I want to focus on the laughter piece, But it's not all about laughter and fun and play. There are sometimes challenges in there as well. But um, I certainly am working on myself, infusing that more and more in all I do so that I show up as more and more, just authentically when I'm working with others and in my own life as well. So maybe it could be grab life where it prickles and tickles. That would be I like that. Because I like to rhyme, the prickles. Yes, I'm going to definitely incorporate that. Thank you, Miss Mildred. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Now, I want to go back to your experience. Well, before I do that, 
there was one question as we were going through that kept coming to the top of my consciousness. And it goes back to, again, where you, when you had mentioned you had about 50 jobs. And it sounds to me like it's okay that you had 50 jobs now because it has made things more expansive and you put it in another place. And my question would be, when or what was the catalyst for you to shift from making having 50 jobs might not be a good thing to having 50 job titles is okay? Was there something someone said, something that came out of you? What was the pivot point there when you shifted? That's a beautiful question, and thank you so much for asking it, because I think even for, for you to ask it, I don't think anyone's even asked me that question. I think it came out of me. It's okay. almost like trying to wear something that doesn't fit. And as ladies, you know, we go to try on clothes and we see something on the rack and it looks great. And it's like, oh, my God, that is so cute. And you take it and you go in the dressing room and you put it on and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, that does not work. I'm sorry. <laughs> that just doesn't work. It looks so much better on the rack than it did on you or than it does on you. And I think that... Being a person who, for example, my husband knew what he wanted to do at 13, and he's done that his whole, and I think that's great. And initially I thought, wow, how cool would it be to just know what you wanted to do that young and just be doing that, like, decade after decade. And then when I think about it, it's like I heard somewhere, it's probably Barbara Sher, because I love her books. She's got several that I, I read, but I think it was reading her book, Refuse to Choose. And in there she talked about, you know, she called it those of us who are like me scanners where we just are interested in so many things and we want to do so many things. And there was a statement in there where it mentioned uh, boredom is like kryptonite. When you're doing just that one thing for me, I could never, ever be that way. And so it was a realization to me of being in the mirror and wearing this outfit that just didn't fit. I... Mm -hmm. The one focus does not fit my personality. It doesn't. And when I accepted me that I am the person who has to do a variety of things, I am a person who is curious about a lot, who likes to be involved in a lot of things, and I can juggle a lot of balls very well, when I accepted that about myself, then I looked in the mirror and said, now that fits. Mm -hmm. And I bet it had lots of color. Lots and lots of color. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That's good. So it's celebrating yourself. It's having the courage to accept yourself and celebrate who you are and saying, well, this is who I am, and I'm going to work with this. This is, yes. this is enough. This is great. Yes. It feels good. Yes. I love that. And it feels good to reach that. And that hasn't really been that long ago because I think there's been, it's just been a journey. And I'm open to it, and, and I've, I've always taken steps to be even more open and to be more introspective, to learn more so that I can more fully embrace whatever it is that I'm doing so that when I look in the mirror, I can say, now that fits. Mm, I like that. Now, I'm going to tap into your analytical hat. I'm going to put the okay. analytical hats on. And I know that you've observed many work-life structures here, there, and everywhere. And mm -hmm. from that exposure, I'm sure that you've observed things, as I said, and you've noticed things and come to some realizations. Anything to share there that would be useful for our listeners? I think, yes. And, you know, tr trying to figure out how to summarize it very quickly, 
is, you know, there are a lot of different life structures, and I think that sometimes, especially like when I'm considering the fact that I work in a, an environment where there are individuals who are in a space where they're exploring what they want to do, and there are a lot of expectations in our culture around, well, do this and you'll be successful, or do that and you'll be successful. And you really have to start with you. And again, I go back to the introspection in understanding, being very aware of who you are and what you want, what your values are, you know, what your life course has been to date and some of the lessons that you've learned so that you begin to get a clear idea of which work structure works for you. Because first of all, running after the money is not where it's at. There are a lot of people who run after the money, and at the end of their lives, they are not happy. Um, so I think what continues to come up, and even in my radio show when I'm interviewing people at Conversations mm-hmm. in the Zone, I constantly, it's consistently, there's that theme of it takes time for you to really figure that out for yourself and to be courageous enough to step out and do that. So I think it really requires someone to set the fear aside, close that closet door and say, okay, what do I really want here and to go after it. And, again, that's not easy. It's not easy. And that also has been a reoccurring theme that has not always been easy for these individuals who are doing what they love now. They've had to uh, be really courageous and say, no, I'm not going to do what culture expects of me to do, what my family of origin expects me to do, what my mate expects me to do, what my friends expect me to do. I'm really going to really tap in and figure out what I'm called to do and then step into that space and go for it. I can relate to that because when I was in high tech, the world was a very linear place. Mm-hmm. and people understood what I did, and it was applauded, and it was well-paid, and the path was clear. And when I left that, besides people thinking I lost my marbles, luckily I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I lost my marbles, mm-hmm. when, pe- when I left that and I went into a, a more intangible field, one right. that isn't, isn't, it took me two years to figure out how to communicate what I actually did to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It was not rewardish, and all of that external validation in whatever form that would take wasn't there anymore. So so people going through this process, you can go through a stage where you feel like you're floundering or you're a fish just uh, at the bottom of a boat. You don't know which way to go. The beauty in that, from my experience, or the gift in that, is that it does send you directly home inside yourself. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, you start to rebuild your world. Yes. What I found really useful was, and you alluded this to this earlier, that you're a life coach. I found it very useful becoming a life coach myself, but also engaging the skills of a life coach mm-hmm. to create that structure, just to have someone to walk on the path with, someone who could understand the dialogue that you were having internally and externally. So. I don't know if you've had that same experience or not because it sounds like you're quite the courageous person and holding on to who you are is the path that you're going to use going forward. But have you found that life coaching skill set valuable in that context? Yes, absolutely. And it has not been an an easy journey for me. I mean, I've, I've certainly always felt like I had maybe not a full grip of all five fingers hanging on the bar of who I am. 
but maybe just I feel like I've probably always had at least two fingers hanging on there and have slowly added the third, the fourth, and then the thumb. But um, So it hasn't been an easy process. And I don't want to paint a picture as if it is, it is easy or has been easy for any of these folks. It's, it's a, it does take some courage, and sometimes courage just isn't there. It's not available for you because you're thinking. We know the power of thought, Mildred, and mm-hmm. how you've got thoughts running through your mind about what you can and can't do and, you know, who do you think you are? I had an interview with a gentleman, Ronald Cooper, um, not this past Monday but the Monday before, and he said when that little voice comes in his head and says, who do you think you are? He says, I don't even listen to that voice. I just keep on doing what I'm doing. (laughs) And I'm like, I love that. I'm going to use that. Don't even listen to that voice. Just keep doing what you're doing, you know. And even your story, what you mentioned, reminds me of another interview I had with uh, a woman who went from serving as a college professor, actually a chair of a department, to reading the Akashic Records. And so think mm. about that transition for her and how crazy they thought she was. <laughs> well, but she great loves her work now. And just yeah. to listen to her interview, it was one of it was one of my favorites, just for her to be able to summarize that journey because it's not hard for some people because sometimes what you're doing and what you want to do are polar opposites and being able to create a bridge so that to get to where you want to go can be pretty challenging and it can be hard it can be hard and disheartening sometimes but you just have to stick with it if that's what you want and then the other thing too as you were speaking it prompted me building stamina Mm-hmm. In inner stamina into yourself, like recognizing that I am making a bit of a leap here. I'm, I don't have all the answers. And it's almost like a, a physical workout. I'm going to build my muscle in this area. I'm going to recognize that it's probably not going to come in. Everything's not going to come to me in a burst of inspiration. I may right. have to work hard at this. I may have to develop skills. I may have to hone my abilities in this area. Mm-hmm. And I'm in it for the long haul. How can I, how can, how many push-ups do I need to do? <laughs> right. And so it's about commitment, right? You're yeah. committed, committed to that journey or that process, if you will. So you're committed to it. And the other thing is a willingness to do what you need to do and to realize that that's your journey, and no one can really tell you when to be ready, when you're ready. Sometimes we're ready for things, and I know you've experienced this, Mildred. Maybe a book comes into your life, and you get it, and you, ah, you put it on the shelf. And then maybe a year later, you pick it up, and it was exactly what you needed at the right time. Or you know, someone comes into your life at the right time. It's just about being ready, and no, no one can tell you when that is for you. It's just a journey and a process, and being committed to it, though, so that it doesn't knock you off course, it, not knock you down, because we're going to get knocked down. I think that's just a part of the process, and the fear comes in and all of that. But getting up and being, again, committed to the process, I got knocked down, but I'm going to keep going, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to do what it takes for me to be able to get to that to that, you know, that place, not that it's a destination, but that we continue to grow into enjoying those kind of work lives that we really want. Now, talking about the work life, I know that you've been involved with work life satisfaction or fulfillment. Anything there, anything you've gleaned from that that you've noticed with people, any trends or leanings? 
when it comes to work-life satisfaction, it's interesting that you ask about that, too, because I think when I started out with this, I think for a while I diluted my message a little bit to try to be uh, acceptable to the masses. Mm. But ultimately, when we talk about work-life satisfaction, it really has to do, it just goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning when we connected about aligning your work with the best of who you are. And that's when you really enjoy work-life satisfaction. And I believe in my heart of hearts that those grim statistics that we, that I consistently read through Gallup and other studies and the research that I do on work-life satisfaction, that these seven out of ten individuals, and of course statistics are, are what they are. These are really people behind these numbers. And these individuals who are going through the motions and have become numb and right now, as we speak on a Sunday, are dreading going to work tomorrow. These individuals, uh, going again back to that point that you mentioned on your roundtable, you have a choice. You really have a choice. And when you understand that and you're aware of that, that's when you can begin to, to shift and asking others to support and help you because we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. So work-life satisfaction doesn't come on an island by yourself. You need some help with it. As I'm listening to you, and I know other people are listening to you, what keeps coming to me is that you're giving people such great hope. I hope so. I do. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, I, I really I mean, feel I feel that. like I've been given that, and and I think that it's important that we all share that and know that there is hope. There's, there's possibility. It's like, you know, I don't know. There's a quote that's staring me in the face right now that I'm looking at. I have up on my board, and it says, when you come to the edge of all the light you have and must take a step into the darkness of the unknown, believe that one of two things will happen. Either there will be something solid for you to stand on or you will be taught how to fly. Yes, that's a, that is a great quote. And when you were talking about that, I was laughing at myself because, as I mentioned before, I, I left high tech and I went into energy work. And I remember I gave a workshop once, and I was terrified. I thought, mm. oh, all those voices, who am I? I'm going to be laughed at a town. I'm yeah. going to embarrass my family, all that sort of stuff. And I gave my presentation and I'll never forget this. And I, I talked from my harsh, and I talked about the energy work and whatever my, you know, whatever extrapolation of that it was. And at the end of it, this, this quiet man came up to me. And in my mind, because I was still into processing and high tech, I figured that if people could get these three key messages from this particular workshop, that would be great. And I thought he was going to come up and he was going to reiterate that he got the message on X, Y, and Z. And as I stood there and he, he approached me and he was so nice, he said, you gave me hope. Oh, and it floored wow. me. It stopped wow. me in my tracks. It's just absolute, and it reset me and it made me realize that, well, that was the most important thing. The rest of mm-hmm. it is just noise. The rest, the, the content could have mm-hmm. been about going to the moon and coming back. Who cares? But right. what a what a beautiful lesson! And I was very humbled by that. And I it gave me hope, and it gave me encouragement. And I never worried again about getting up or giving a workshop mm-hmm. because my focus was on I'm showing up. The gift will be hope. Yes. And whatever that looks like, it looks like. 
Yeah, that is so great. Because isn't it sometimes just that one person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one person that may come to you and say something, and it just kind of throws you off for a bit because you're like, and then you're like, wow, really? That was the yes. impact. That's what, That was the takeaway. And it's just so cool. It is so cool. And it's like that's why we do what we do, Mildred, because that's we're trying to sprinkle hope. People- Sprinkle, sprinkle hope. That's right. With a dash yep. of humor. No, what I'd love to do. What I'd love to do now, Robin, is take a little break, just about a okay. two-minute break, okay. and we're going to listen to a very uplifting French-Canadian song from a Nova Scotia singer-songwriter called Dolores Boudreau, and Dolores fits in with our theme today because she was working in one area. She had a serious, serious health setback, and that health setback gave her the courage to follow her true dream, which was to be a singer-songwriter. And when you hear her sing, you will hear the joy. So, Robin, you're going to love this. I know our listeners will love this song, and we will be back in about two minutes. All right. Stay tuned. Healing Conversations with host Mildred Lynn McDonald on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at fireflywillows.com. Enjoy the show. Robin, we're back. Yes, hey. I enjoyed How did you that. Like the song? You like the song? Isn't it uplifting? I did. It's very uplifting, and it made me think about one of the life purpose cards in one of the decks that I that I have, and we talked about cards before, mm-hmm. um, and it says that um, music opens your soul to receiving divine guidance so that you'll confidently walk up on the pathway of your life purpose. Uh-huh. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. That's a good one. Now, I want to go back to your motto. 
your motto, grab life where it tickles. And I'm going to throw the ball to you and ask you, because this is what's coming in to me, who do you need to be to honor that motto? Who do you, how, how do you show up in your life? I have to be aware. Okay. And I have to be courageous. Um, and uh, have to be present, too, I think. Um, I think all of those are very important and I've come to appreciate. And also, I think, really understanding the importance of detachment, and we don't have time to go into that, but um, I think those are really key for me in order to show up that way, really being aware and being present and learning to uh, remain detached um, and uh, being open to possibility as well, I think. When you're when you're talking about detachment, do you mean not making it personal, keeping things objective? Is that the arena? Yeah, and I think I had a a, a bigger dose of understanding that. I had a ten day went, uh, attended a ten day meditation retreat uh, mm-hmm. last month, and that was a strong theme because it's so much that we attach to that causes us unhappiness and misery. And when we learn that things are impermanent and that things are changing, that change is inevitable, and not to attach to, to, to things, but just and not even in your roundtable you all were talking about um, uncertainty mm-hmm. and um, just not being attached to, the, to things being the way they are. Things are always changing, and we have to know that or accept that change is the only thing that is going to cons- – I mean, it's co- constantly happening. It's inevitable. So I think that's, again, just off of my head, that, that's something that I think uh, is important to keep in mind. Mm. Now, every day, I know myself, I, ha- I have a practice that I do, and I know that you have practices you do every day, so mm-hmm. now's our chance to share a little bit mm. of that wisdom, wisdom mm-hmm. all the wisdom, um, <laughs> with, our, with our listeners. So I know as we were talking about sharing this time together, we both realized that we use oracle cards. Mm-hmm. And there's different types of oracle cards out there. There's angel cards and fairy cards and chakra cards and Mm -hmm. anything else you can think about under the sun. And so we agreed that we would each pull a card and share it with each other on the air and so people could understand the value of oracle cards and how they can be used as a tool to help get Mm -hmm. you through your day. Mm -hmm. So would you like to go first? Sure, sure. Um, you know, I have several decks, and you know, I, I'm. This is probably the first time that I'm even I've ever even said this in a public arena, because you know, for a while with my Jehovah's Witness background, which is another whole story, another whole time, <laughs> this was like so not acceptable at all. Um, so I've found the cards to be fun, a very fun addition to my practice, and um, I've just enjoyed it. So I have, you know. Doring Virtue's Life Purpose cards, and I have angelic cards, and I have color cards, and so the ones that I'm the, that I'm going to pull from now is the Enchanted Map card uh, set of mm-hmm. cards from Colette Baron Reed. So after I do a little shuffle, what I do is just say, well, what's the most appropriate message that uh, will be helpful right now? And so let's pull a card. 
related to Miss Mildred here. <laughs> and the card that I pulled is the Golden Palace card. Okay. So let's see what uh, that has to say, just to summarize that really quickly. It says, there's always enough. The Golden Palace card represents good fortune, ambitions fulfilled, wealth and prosperity. It may also indicate emotional fulfillment, as perhaps you're entering a time of happiness that's long overdue. The message here is that self-worth isn't measured by what you have, no matter how abundant your life is. Instead, it comes from what you are, how authentically you're living your life, and how much love you're willing to share. Granted, receiving this card does indicate material gain and a furthering of tangible rewards, but things come and go, and knowing your true value leads to even greater riches now. Share the wealth. So that's the card, Golden Palace. And what would you do with that message? You get the, you get the message. So for me, what I think about in this message, because typically when I pull a card, I've already had my hour walk for the morning, and I've probably been thinking about something or... I've been uh, maybe in com- just communing in some way. And I will look at that card and just kind of look at where I am and tease out what some of the messages may be. Sometimes the the um, the message is so overwhelmingly, gosh, I got it. Gosh, I get that. That is so perfect, and it give me some, gives me something to ponder the rest of the day. And other times I may say, I think I got it, but I'm going to have to kind of think about it a little bit, and I'll just over the course of the day some things will come up, and I'll be able to see where the alignment is and where the message is for me for that day. So that's how I use them. And it's always, from my experience, it's always something positive that's Mm -hmm. going to enrich your life. Absolutely, And and that's what I love about it. And you can also use, maybe some people have a book of affirmations, or maybe they have a book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and they read a heartwarming story. I guess the value from, from my perspective is inviting these positive vibrations to come into your life, and then you're able to bounce off them. Yes, I love how you said that. Yeah. Now, for me, I always call myself a child of the forest, because I love forests <laughs> and trees, and so... That being so, I'm very attracted to fairy cards. Oh, cool. <laughs> I remember, I don't know if you were a brownie or not, but I, I remember the elves and the pixies and the little people. And yep, yep, that, yep. Uh, that always appealed to me. So the card that came up for me is a card about visualization. And ah. the message, yes, and the message is this, from this direct from the fairies of the forest. The fairies know the power of conscious visualization as a tool of manifestation. By drawing this card, you are guided to sit quietly on a daily basis and to visualize yourself living a healthy, happy, abundant, and meaningful life. Visualize only what you desire and avoid picturing what you do not desire so for me that that tells me okay I need to spend more time or I have an opportunity to or I'm being invited to spend more time with myself in quiet contemplation and visualizing creating thinking about possibilities and that would set the tone for my day or at least I would put a little envelope of time away during the day and I would honor that beautiful message. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, and I think so visualization that's... is a very powerful tool for all of us when it comes to getting what we want, even in our work lives, being able to visualize that. So I think that's a great, great card to share today. And and I and the bottom line is that people don't have to do things by themselves because sometimes they feel stuck. And there's tools out there like oracle cards or books. You were mentioning books. Anything else or videos? Anything else that you can suggest, Robin, that people might want to tap into? I mean, each other. I think there's okay. there's great power in connecting with one another. We don't have to do it alone, and I think that was a big lesson that I had to learn. I'm not an island, and I don't even know why I felt the pressure to be an island. We can connect with other folks if we're willing to be vulnerable and we're willing to share and not uh, co- compete but collaborate, and that's where a lot of great success personally and professionally comes from in these small groups where we're able to share and be vulnerable and be honest and really help each other to reach whatever goals or targets that we set for ourselves. When you mentioned being honest, one thing I found on my path, when I, you know, as I said, when I left one industry and moved into an ambiguous industry, if we can call it an industry, is how much more honest you become with yourself and with others. And then dishonesty starts not to have a place in your life or masks start not to have a place in your life and the honesty starts to nurture you so that just came up as you were were speaking but i want to run over to your internet radio show ah okay yes tell us about your internet radio show because it's great I have been doing this on Blog Talk Radio for almost two years. I think next month in September it will be two years. And it is one of the pure delights of one of, you know, that, I, that I do because I love having conversations with people. And secretly when I was a kid, I always wanted to have my own radio show and interview people because I love asking questions and finding out people's stories. And so um, my show, Conversations in the Zone, is just that, where I'm always on the lookout for individuals who are doing what they love. And so I get to talk to them on the show about their work-life story, where we talk a little bit about how they got to this path, and it's filled with lessons, great lessons learned. Every, every guest has, is so generously shares you know, their successes, but also some of the challenges that they had, whether it was fear or you know, the, the, the thought process and, you know, the, the self-talk that you know, talk themselves out of things, whatever it, it's been, you know, favorite quotes. In two years, I've never gotten the same quote from a person. Um, you know, I love the signature questions. The last one I asked folks, if you were summoned to the top of a mountain to share your message with the world and you had this only chance, what would you shout? That's my favorite question. And I love to hear what they have to say there. So it's such a fun platform because I love to hear people share their lessons learned and share wisdom and ahas and realizations, observations, etc. And then um, from time to time I uh, get to spend maybe a half an hour or so a month maybe just sharing some tips and techniques related to designing your best work life, how to do that, not just in the abstract but in a concrete way, what are some things you can begin to do and then share some of the tools that I've created to help them do that. And so I'm going to keep conversations in the zone and keep that same, but even that's going to shift and change a little bit after two years. I'm going to do a little rebranding in that area. But the show will still be out there. It may be under Mm -hmm. a new name, but um, I'm still going to be doing more of that because I love that platform. 
So for now, your your business is Design Your Best Work Life, and your internet radio show is Conversations in the Zone, and they're both going to evolve into their next stage, so to yes. speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. excellent. Now, if people wanted to, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to reel myself back because I want to find out what you're up to in 2014. Well, to what to what you just mentioned, that was a nice segue where I'm in the process of rebranding. And the reason that I'm doing that has a lot to do with what we talked about earlier, about getting to this space. And I think that a catalyst for this for me was the 10-day meditation retreat that I attended a couple weeks ago where I had a little bit more opportunity to do some more introspection and I came back clearer on incorporating more of my authentic self and the things that I'm doing. So I thought, you know what, Design Your Best Work Life is an interesting title, but it seems a little stuffy now. It doesn't seem as playful and fun and creative (laughs) as I'd like it to be. And I like to incorporate a little bit more of my playful side and my fun creative (laughs) side. And so that's what I'm in the process of doing, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with that because there's some things that I feel a lot more bold and courageous to do now that I didn't feel like I would do probably six months ago. (laughs) Wow. Oh. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what happened to me when when I shifted. I started to wear a lot of hats, colorful hats. Oh, I have a great collection of hats. I love it. I love so it. So beware. Beware. That's great. Yeah, I love it. And I think from the inside out, you begin yeah. to feel those changes and you begin to see it. So I've already seen some of those things, kind of the little seeds being planted and little they're sprouting, and so I'm really excited very excited about what's coming. And some of it I don't even know, but I'm just excited about it anyway. You're, you're ready for it. No, I'm ready for it. People will want to work with you. How could they not want to work with you? How do they get a hold of you? And tell, tell us a little bit about how to engage Robin Crawford. Well, right now I think the best way to get in touch with me is the Robin com, and don't forget the middle C for my middle initial or you'll probably be going to someone else another Robin Crawford but it's www.robin for Robin then C, that's my middle initial and then Crawford C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D so www.robincrawford.com and when you go there now you'll see some things are under construction which will reflect exactly what I talked about today in the show that I'm in transition but um you can definitely connect with me more specifically right now until that change occurs at www.designyourbestworklife.com. And there you can sign up for my um, sign up on my website uh, to get some communications. You can uh, get a um, the question list of some really key questions you need to be asking yourself if you're ready to see if you're ready to begin designing your best work life and check out some of the other things that I've got going on there. So that's the current website. So you can certainly tap into and connect with me there. And maybe we can have a possibilities conversation, which is always fun, always fun and insightful. So you do have clients, though. If, if, if someone is listening and they tapped into your, oh, she's a life coach, and they are on their journey and they wanted to work with you in that capacity, 
Oh, absolutely. If they went to your web website, they could go along that path, yes. right? Yes, they okay, could certainly uh, go to the website and sign up for a possibilities conversation, and we could okay. either be face-to-face -face if we're local, or mm -hmm. uh, if they are not here in the greater Atlanta area, we can meet over Skype or over the phone and have a really nice possibilities conversation, which, would, which is designed to just help them to gauge where they are now and what are mm -hmm. some of the possibilities once I get a feel for where they are now, what some of their challenges are. And they will leave with some very specific things to consider around possibilities in their work lives. Oh, I love that. Now, Robin, when you evolve your design, your best work life, and you evolve conversations in the zone, mm -hmm. I would love for you to come back and tell us about that little adventure. Would you be open oh. to that? I would be, yes, absolutely, that would be great. I'd I think it. that would, yes, yes. And I think you're already there with Grab Life Where It Tickles. How could you improve <laughs> on that? <laughs> that is fully evolved. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm fully embracing that now. I'm, not, now. I'm taking it out of the closet. It's been in the closet for a couple of years. I'm taking it out of the closet now, and I'm oh, waving yeah. that flag. <laughs> And, and my final question, I know it's Robin C. Crawford. What's the C for? Sherelle. C-H-E-R-E-L-L-E. -E -E. Yes, I'm almost sure my mom, they love the Sherelles growing up, and so Robin Sherelle Crawford, so yeah. That's, that's a, and you never know, you might be using that for something too. You never know, right? <laughs> you never know. You never know, like me and my hat. You might be singing. You might be going on the road singing and dancing. <laughs> yeah, I always think of that C as my reminder of my love for music because I love music too, so yeah. There you go. So, Robert, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, I love, thank you, Mildred. Loved, it was fun. Yeah, I loved our conversation, and I loved when we pulled our cards live on the air, shared shared our souls with our listeners. You're coming yep. back, so that's beautiful news. And you have a wonderful day in Atlanta, Georgia. And I really hope that I have an opportunity to meet you face-to-face -face at some point because I think we yes. have a great, great time together. I hope so. We'll do a lot of laughing. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Take good care of yourself and have a wonderful day. Bye for now. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn airs the first Sunday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Enjoy nourishing conversations, thought-provoking guests, personal growth tools, compassionate guidance, practical tips, plus a generous sprinkling of East Coast humor and warmth. You'll also love our popular roundtable discussions, featuring Pisces Lutmers, John Carousella, and Mildred Lynn. For more information, please go to HealingConversationsWithMildredLynn.com. Join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for What's Your Prescription for Balance? with Dr. Glenna Calder, Thursday morning at 8 a.m.